Good morning. Wow. Let's try that again. Good morning. How many people are ready for God's Word? Yeah. Well, I am so glad that each and every one of you are here today. And a shout out welcome to those that are watching online. We are so glad and honored that you have chosen to be part of this worship experience. We are in a nine-part summer sermon series that we've called Cultivate. And we're believing that God wants to cultivate these nine different fruit of the Spirit in our life. And the fruit of the Spirit, if you didn't know, is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and verse 23. And they are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And today we want to zero in on one fruit of the Spirit. We want to talk today about goodness. And so I want to invite you to pull out your sermon notes. They are on the back of your bulletin, or you can pull them up on your handheld device by going to our church website. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for the goodness of God in my life. Anybody grateful for the goodness of God in your life? We've often said that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And the goodness of God is all over our lives. So we're going to explore this morning that theme of goodness. And so I want to take you to a bunch of scriptures this morning. And the first scripture is the first time the word good is found in the Bible. And you don't have to look too far. It's right in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 4. It's the creation account. And in verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. It's like God created light. And he stood back and said, this is good. I want us to understand today, everything that God does is good. There is no badness in God. There's only goodness in God. And, and so he creates the light and he stands back and he says, this is good. The first time the word goodness is found in the scripture is found in the book of Exodus. And if you come now with me to Exodus chapter 33, there's this guy named Moses. And God says to Moses in Exodus 33 verse 19, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. God was saying to Moses, Get ready, Moses. All of my goodness is going to pass in front of you. And in front of you, you are going to see my goodness. The goodness of God encompasses everything who he is. God has never done anything bad. He only does things that are good. Amen. And his goodness is displayed in his actions. And God says to Moses, you're going to see all of my goodness coming in front of you. And then there's this guy named David. David wrote some amazing psalms. Psalm 23, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you come to Psalm 23, verse 6, and he says, Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. His goodness is in front of you, and his goodness is following you. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Then we come now to Psalm 100, verse 5, and there's a lot of scriptures that say this same truth. For the Lord is, come on, say it with me. For the Lord is good. Come on, say it again. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. There's scriptures that keep declaring that God is good. Then there's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, we know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And who have been called according to his purpose. God works goodness 
in our life. And then there's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, where we're exhorted not to forget to do good and to share with others. And there's so many scriptures that talk about good and goodness. But today we're going to zero in on a character in the Bible named Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas with me. One, two, three, Barnabas. His story is accounted for us in the book of Acts. And Paul actually talks a little bit about him in the book of Corinthians and a little bit about him in, the, in Galatians. But there's, there's one verse we're going to start with. And it's actually found in, 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 in Acts chapter 11, verse 24, where, where Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, says these amazing words about this guy Barnabas. He says, he was a good man. I don't know about you, but I want people to say about me, I'm a good man. I want people to say about you, you're a good man, you're a good lady, you're a good person. We want people to say we are good, and we are good when the goodness of God is displayed in our life and lived out. Now, now look at the verse. Look at, look at the screen. It says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to point out to you, first of all, that he didn't receive the Holy Spirit because he was good. Because church, before you came to Christ, you, 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 were, you were lost in your sin. But when you came to Jesus, he made you a new creation. You see, church, I'm so glad for salvation. I'm so glad for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. You can, you, I'll tell you, it's a gift of the living God. You see, Barnabas wasn't good and because of his goodness, he got the Spirit. He became good because of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that was cultivating goodness in his life. Now look at the screen. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Faith helped Barnabas to activate the goodness in his life. And this morning, in a couple of moments, we're going to look how goodness was activated in the life of Barnabas. And it was activated and cultivated through the work of Holy Spirit he was a good man, full of the Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas was influential to see many people come to the Lord because of the goodness of God in his life and the goodness of God being manifested in his life. So for a few moments this morning, I want to walk you through some characteristics of goodness. And I want to offer for you today what I saw when I reread the book of Acts and I read every scripture about Barnabas, I saw eight characteristics of a good person. Eight goodness qualities. Eight goodness characteristics. And, and here's what I want us to pray this morning. That Holy Spirit will cultivate a deeper measure of each of these characteristics in our life. So if you're ready, and I know you're with me, would you say ready? If you're ready, say ready. Ready. So the first characteristic I want to look at, number one, is a good person is an encouraging person. I mean, a good person has, has that goodness of encouragement. They're always encouraging. They're always uplifting. They're always saying a positive word. And I want to take you to the first reference of Barnabas in the book of Acts. The first time that he is mentioned, the first time we learn that he had the goodness of encouragement in his life. And it's Acts chapter 4, verse 36. So let's look at it, Acts 4, 36. Now, I want to point out to you, first of all, that his real name wasn't Barnabas. His real name was Joseph. And we learn in Acts 4, verse 36, that Joseph was a Levite, and he was from Cyprus. Now, you didn't choose your name. My name, obviously, is Mark. I didn't choose my name. My parents chose my name. I'm from Cambridge. I didn't choose that. My parents chose that. 
and, and my mom comes from a lineage from Scotland, and my dad from a lineage from Germany and, and, and from Ireland. I didn't choose that. You didn't choose your name. You didn't choose where you're from. You, 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 there's a lot about you that you didn't choose. But, but note this. His name is Joseph, and, and we learn that he was from Cyprus, and, and he was a Levite. But, but the apostles gave him a nickname. Can I ask you a question? Did anybody have a nickname growing up? Anybody have a nickname growing up? Anybody? Can I tell you some of my nicknames? Don't ever call me these names. I was called Scruffy. And some people called Pastor Brad. I should never tell you these things. I was Scruffy. I was Scarzy. I was Marky. And one year when I was playing baseball, Mark was the in name, I guess. And there was all these guys named Mark on the team. So they called me Alan for an entire summer because they didn't want, so I was Alan. And I remember people would say Mark and I didn't even think my name was Alan. It's not Mark. And, and I don't know what your nickname was, but all of you probably had a nickname when you're growing up. But, but, but here in Acts 4, 36, Joseph, this Levite from this island called Cyprus, he, he rubbed shoulders with the apostles and they gave him a nickname to describe who he was. And it's, it's, Barnabas or Barnabas. And Barnabas means the son of encouragement. Now, I, I thought about that. I mean, they called him the encourager. I wonder if somebody gave you a nickname to describe what you're like, what would it be? Would you be grumpy? Here comes grumpy. Here comes complainer. I mean, I mean think about it for a moment. Uh, what word would describe? Now, the word that they used to describe Joseph was Barnabas, which means encouragement. I mean, I think that's an amazing truth. And I'll tell you why he was called Barnabas. is because Holy Spirit had cultivated the goodness of encouragement in his life. I pray that Spirit of God would encourage a deeper measure of encouragement in my life. That, that I, I would just be an encouraging person. I want us to be an encouraging church. I want you to be encouraging people. How many people want Holy Spirit to cultivate a deeper measure of encouragement in and through your life? Anybody with me today? That's what God wants to do. So number one, number one, the first characteristic is, is the goodness of encouragement. A good person is an encouraging person. Number, number two. A good person is a generous person. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the goodness of generosity. Not the goodness of giving, the goodness of generosity. When Holy Spirit prompts you to generosity, can I, can I tell you a couple of stories? I mean, we're in this backpack drive, and, and I'm seeing the backpacks coming in. If you haven't brought in your backpack, today's the deadline. And some of you are like, oh, I forgot. You can bring it in tomorrow. We need your backpack. But you people... I've been so generous. If all the backpacks come in, here's what's going to happen. We're going to be able to bless every boy and girl in Morrison Gardens, our friends, to the north of the church, down the street. I'm not done. Every boy and girl is going to get a backpack. And here's what they say. They say, I mean, the, the people in our city who works with different areas say, why they love our church is some churches go out and buy all the same backpack and all the kids go to school with the same backpack and all the kids make fun of them because they're wearing the same backpack. But, but not Woodville. You bring in different, unique, colorful backpacks. 
We're making a difference in Morrison Gardens. Now get ready. Every boy and girl in Morrison Gardens is going to get a backpack. And then to the north of us, the other side of the police station, every boy and girl in Dunbar Court is going to get a backpack. I'm not done. We're able now to take backpacks to the school across the street, Knoxdale School. And we're, we're going to say to the principal, if you got any students there who come from homes that can't afford a backpack, can we bless you with a, back, a backpack? I'm not done. And we're going to take backpacks to Pinecrest School, which is a Across the street from Morrison Gardens. And we're going to say, here's a whole bunch of backpacks for any boy and girl in your school who didn't get one. How many people know that? That, that is the spirit of generosity. And we give God thanks and glory. You, some of you people said, I, I can't buy one. We, we've received $3,000 to help with these backpacks. I'll tell you, there's a spirit of generosity in the house. Can I tell you something else? We champion fostering, becoming a foster parent and considering adoption. And the Children's Aid Society has been in touch with our church, and they can't tell us names, and I don't know who you are, but they said there's a whole bunch of people in your church that we're processing through right now for foster parenting. And we want you to know we are grateful for Woodville Church in our city. Come on. That's generosity. You see, when goodness is in your life, the Holy Spirit cultivates a spirit of generosity. Where it's just lived out. So let, let, me show you, let me show you the scripture. Let's go to Acts 4, 32 to 37. Let me read it to you. This is a good person. This is a generous person. Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their, was their own. They shared everything they had. God was doing such an amazing work in the early church. They, they were sharing. There wasn't greed. They were sharing. Look at verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Look at verse 34. There was no needy person among them. That'll preach on its own. When the Spirit works, every need is met. Did you hear me? When the Spirit is working and we're responding to the Spirit, every need will be met. I I love that. I love that. (laughs) Wow. There was no needy person among them. From time to time, you're going to get nervous now, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales, look at verse 35, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. People were selling homes. They were selling property. And they were bringing all the money to the apostles and laying at their feet and saying, use it to meet needs. I have a pastor friend of mine in his church. He didn't know how the bills were going to be paid. He was going through crisis, and he brought it to Jesus, and Holy Spirit began to speak. And someone walked into his church and said, the Spirit of the Lord's prompted me, here's a check for $100,000. How many people believe God can work in those marvelous ways? Generosity. It's powerful. Now, look at verse 36. I've already read it. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Look at verse 37. What did he do? He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money. And he put it at the apostles' feet. The example that Luke chose. I mean, there's a lot of names he could have mentioned of people who sold land, sold their houses. Who did he choose? Who stood out? Barnabas. I pray that God would cultivate a deeper measure of generosity in my life. When the goodness of God is working in your life, there's a deeper measure of generosity. But then, then, then there's number three. A good person is a befriending person. A good person is a befriending person. That's a person, I I love when people walk into your life when everyone else is walking out. I love when people believe in you when no one else believes in you. 
I love when people see you for who you're becoming and not looking back to who you were. And there's some of you today, you need to hear me today. God is still working in our lives. And can we be a church that not looks at people for who they were, but for who they are and who they are becoming in Jesus Christ? And and I'm going to read to you today an amazing account how Barnabas befriended a guy named Saul. Everybody say Saul. One, two, three. Saul. Let me read Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Let me me tell you a bit about Saul. Verse 1, Acts 8. Saul approved of their killing him. Stephen. They stoned Stephen to death, and Saul's going, yeah, pick up the rocks, take them down, kill them. He's approving of it. Look at verse 3. Saul began to destroy the church. Anybody want Saul to come to our church? And he walked in, he's destroying the church, he's going from house to house, dragged off both men and women, put them in prison. He's out there breathing murderous threats, he's taking people down, he's out to destroy the church. But one day, on a road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus, and he got saved. Come on, isn't that powerful? He had an encounter with Jesus, and he got saved. A dramatic conversion. Let me read Galatians chapter 1, a few verses. Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he's reflecting back to his days when he was a bad boy. And he says in verse 13, Galatians 1, For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intentionally persecuted the church of God, and I tried to destroy it. And then he talks for a few verses how he had the encounter on the road to Damascus. But let's pick it up in verse 17. Look at verse 17. So he gets saved on the road to Damascus. He says, but I didn't go up to Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem was where the head church was. I didn't go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. And then later I returned to Damascus. Look at verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas. That's Peter. Now, I, why I read those verses, because I don't want you to miss it. He destroys the church. He's dragging people out. He's put them in prison. He's breathing murderous threats. He's going, yeah, go ahead and stone Stephen to death. He's a bad guy. But then he has an encounter with Jesus, and he becomes a new creation in Christ. And then he goes to Arabia for three years, three years. And finally, he comes to the church in Jerusalem. Let's pick it up in Acts 9, 26. Three years have gone by. Three years have gone by. When he came to Jerusalem, verse 26... He tried to join the disciples. He just went to church and said, can I come to your church? Can I sit in the pew on a Sunday morning? Can I become a member? But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. They were freaking out because of who he was, and they forgot who he now was in Christ. But, but then there's this verse, verse 27, this verse can preach on his own, but... Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul and his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fiercely in the name of Jesus. And so, so I'll tell you, tell you, church, the reason why Saul was accepted in the church in, in Jerusalem was because of Barnabas that befriended him and said, he's a good guy. He's a changed guy. He's the real deal. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. Who wrote about half of the New Testament? It was Paul. I'm telling you, friends, the reason why the church in Jerusalem accepted Paul, his name used to be called Saul, was because of Barnabas. I want to be that kind of guy that doesn't look at people for who they are, but look at them for who they are in Jesus Christ. Not see them for their past, but see them for who they are becoming in Jesus. I want to be a church that believes in the changing power of our living God. 
when Evelyn and I pastored in the greater Toronto area, we had a man that was working with our men's ministry. And he told me his story. And he, he spent many years in prison. And he shared with me all of his past and all the stuff that he used to do and all of what was going on in his life. And tears are coming down my eyes. And I looked at him. I said, Terry, I know you're not lying to me. But dude, I'm having a hard time thinking that's who you are because I know who you are. How many people know when you come to Christ, you're a new creation in Jesus Christ? Come on, church. How many people know when you come to Christ, you're a new creation in Jesus? Look at verse 28. Put it on the screen, Acts 9, 28. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Look at verse 31. Then the church through Judea, Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace, strength, and Living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased the numbers. So number one, when the spirit of goodness is in your life, there will be encouragement. Number two, when the spirit of goodness is in your life, there will be more generosity. And number three, when the spirit of goodness is functioning in your life, you'll, you'll believe in people. You'll, you'll be able to say they're changed. You, you'll be able to befriend people. You'll be able to see what God's doing. And, and you won't look to their past. You'll look for who they are in Christ. I'll tell you, friends, God is up to something in this church, and I give him the glory, and I give him the honor. Somebody shout amen. Come on, it's okay to shout amen in church. Somebody shout amen. Number four, a good person is a unifying person, a unifying person. Every family has somebody that keeps the family together. You know who they are, don't you? I mean, they're the ones that call everybody, get them together at Christmas. And some people can go into a difficult situation and bring peace and calmness. Others can go in and bring chaos and confusion. You know what I'm talking about. They show up and stress levels go up. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? But when the goodness of God is working, there's a unifying factor. There's a calmness. There's a peacefulness. There's a peacemakingness. There's a unifying feel. And it's so cool. And I love when God does that. So I want to show you number four. I want to read to you Acts 11, 19 to 23. Now watch this. Watch this. In verse 19 of Acts 11, now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus. Anybody remember Cyprus? Can I ask you a question? Who was from Cyprus? Barnabas. They go as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Antioch's like 400 miles from Jerusalem. And they're spreading the word of God, but only to the Jews. Interesting. Look at verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch, 400 miles from Jerusalem, and they began to speak, speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 24. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed, and they turned to the Lord. I don't know if you're getting the picture, but in Antioch, all these Jewish people were believers. Now, all the Greek people were being believers. And now the church was filled with Jewish believers and Greek believers. And Jewish people didn't think like Greek people. And Greek people didn't think like Jewish people. And there could have been a lot of tension going on in the church because God was doing something new. Now, hear me, church. When God does something new that we've never experienced before, sometimes the devil tries to put tension Ooh, we've never, we've never had that before. Never seen that one before. And that's what's going on. Jews, Greeks. And the church could have split. And it could have been a bad scene. And it could have been horrible. So look at verse 21. The Lord's hand was with him. Great number of people believed. Turned to the Lord. Look at verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. That's where the head office was. So who did they send to Antioch? Who did they send? 
Barnabas. Look at verse 23. When he arrived, his presence brought calmness, and he saw what the grace of God had done, and he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Church, Barnabas was the right man in the right place at the right time with the right spirit. And when the spirit of goodness is in your life, you will bring not chaos, you will bring calmness. You will bring unity, not division. Are you with me today, church? I pray that God would increase a level of goodness of unifying. Now, number five, number five. Let's go number five. A good person is a humble person. I want to talk to you for a few moments about humility. And I want to talk to you about the fact that when the goodness of God is in your life, there's not pride. You're dripping with humility. And we all know that pride is repulsive, but humility is attractive. I don't like being around somebody that's full of pride. Do you? Well, I did this. I, 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 I. You like to be around people that are dripping with humility. So, so walk with me. Barnabas goes to Antioch. He saves the day. And the church keeps growing. I mean, the church got unified because of Barnabas. Now, I want you to see what he does. Don't miss it. Look at verse 25, Acts 11. What's the first thing he did? Then Barnabas went to Tarsus and looked for Saul. Really? He could have stayed there and be the big guns. He could have been the big guy in Antioch. But what does he do? He goes and gets Saul. He's the guy that he went to the church in Jerusalem and said he's a changed guy. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Look at verse 25 and 26. And it's for a whole year. No, don't, don't miss this. Barnabas and Saul, not Saul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So what does he do? He gets Saul, brings him there, and they go and encourage the church. But, but, but I want you to notice it says Barnabas and Saul. Now, I don't have the time to show you this, but in the next few chapters, it keeps saying Barnabas and Saul. First name, Barnabas and Saul. It's like, is it Mark and Evelyn, or is it Evelyn and Mark? You know what I mean? Whose name goes first? Whose name goes? Barnabas and Saul. But he gets Saul. Now, I want to take you to Acts 14, or Acts 13, 42. And you may never saw this in the Bible, but Acts 13, 42 is the turning point where it no longer says Barnabas' name first. It switches. And it now says Paul's name first. Look at this. And Paul and Barnabas, Acts 13, 42, were leaving the synagogue. And the people invited them to speak further about these things of the next Sabbath. Look at verse 43. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed not Barnabas and Paul, but Paul and Barnabas, who would talk with them and urge them to continue in the grace of God. This is the turning point in Acts where Barnabas takes a back seat and Paul takes a front seat. I'll tell you why. Barnabas wasn't about himself. He was all about Jesus. He didn't care who got the credit. He wanted Jesus to get the glory. And I'm telling you, church, when goodness is displayed in your life, you will be okay stepping back and letting others step forward. You will be okay to not let it up. By the way, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus Christ. 
I said, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus Christ. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. Give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. I always smile at the scripture where it says, Moses was the most humble man that lived. And you know who wrote that? Moses. I don't, I don't, I'm still trying to figure out that scripture. I'm still trying to figure it out. I pray that God would cultivate a deeper measure of humility. Let's go to number six. A good person is a spirit-led person. Uh, You need to hear me as I say this, and I honestly mean it. We can walk in the flesh, or we can live in the spirit. We can do what we want to do, or we can do what the spirit wants us to do. We can become a church like another church, or we can be a church that is led by the spirit of the living God. I don't know about you. I want to be a church that's led by the spirit of the living God. I want to live my life led by the Spirit. When the goodness of God is displayed in your life, you are led by the Spirit. I want to read to you Acts 13, 1 to 4, when the church at Antioch, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, there he is, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So all these guys are now in the church in Antioch. Now look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord... And fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. (laughs) You want the Spirit of God to speak to you, start fasting and praying and worshiping, and the Spirit will speak. And the Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Verse 3, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. Now look at verse 4. The two of them were sent on their way, By the Holy Spirit. Not by the leaders in Antioch, but by the Holy Spirit. And they went down to St. Lucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Church, look this way. When God's Spirit is working and the goodness of God is manifest in your life, you will be led by His Spirit. I know the answer, but let me ask the question. How many people want the Spirit to lead you? How many people want the Spirit to lead you? Okay, I'll stand away from there. How many people want the Spirit to lead you? Lift up your hand. Come on, how many people want the Spirit to lead you? Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Let me take you to number seven. And I had to put this in the mix. And because up until now, you're going, this Barnabas guy is a saint. But I want to tell you this. A good person, number seven, is not a perfect person. I want you to look this way. Nobody is perfect. God is still working on you and working on me. And from time to time, we are going to disappoint each other because we are not perfect. You've been waiting for this. Turn to the person beside you, whoever you wanted to be, and say to them, you're not perfect. (laughs) Does it feel good? (laughs) Does that feel good? Now, I know if you're married, you said that to your spouse. I know you did. I know you did. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. Barnabas wasn't perfect. And Paul and Barnabas had a, had a few little difficult moments. Can I show you one difficult moment? I'm going to read to you Galatians 2, 11 to 13. You may never saw this in the scripture. But in Galatians 2, verse 11, when Cephas, that's Peter, comes to Antioch, Paul said, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. One translation says, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. I want you to picture Paul going to Cephas saying, you were wrong. You're wrong. 
he got right in his face and he said, you're wrong. So what was he wrong about? Let's read 12 and 13. For, verse 12, for before certain man came from James, he, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Now the tension between Jews and Gentiles was big. But he said, you used to eat with the Gentiles, but, but when they arrive, when the Jewish people arrived, you began to draw back and separate yourself from the Gentiles. Why, why did you do that? Look at the next slide. Because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. That's the Jewish people. I mean, if you're catching this, Cephas would hang out with the Gentiles and eat with them. But when the Jewish people showed up, he went, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. This is weird. I should just be with the Jewish people, not with the, the Gentile people. And Paul, Paul was all about there's no Jew, there's no Greek. We're all one in Jesus Christ. How many people are glad that we're all one in Jesus Christ? I should know when people are glad we're all one in Jesus Christ. Whether you're male or female, you're black or you're white, and I tell you, we are all one in Jesus Christ. We're one in Jesus Christ. Now, now look at this, look at this. Verse 12, for a certain man came from James, put on the screen. He used to eat with the Gentiles. When they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. Now, the latter part of verse 12 and verse 13, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. And the other Jews joined him in, 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 in this hypocrisy. And so that by their hypocrisy, Paul said even Barnabas was led astray. Even Barnabas got caught up in this foolishness. I, I say it because he wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But Jesus is perfect. And so when goodness is in your life, don't expect perfection. Don't expect perfection from your spouse. Don't expect perfection. We're going we're gonna to disappoint people from time to time. Are you with me this morning, friends? We've got to learn to be more patient with one another. Somebody say amen. Can I take a number eight? I'm going to close with this. This is the biggie. This is number eight. A good person is a forgiving person. I, I believe that when the goodness of God is in your life, you'll be willing to make a step towards being open to forgiveness. So I'm going to walk you through this huge rift that happened between Paul and Barnabas and a guy named John Mark. So let me, let me read it, Acts 12, 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, this is verse 25, Acts 12, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, called Mark. John Mark is now introduced. Barnabas and Saul take John Mark with them. Look at verse 13 of Acts 13, Acts 13, 13. From Paphos, Paul and his companions, which include Barnabas, sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. We learn here that on their mission journey, John, Mark, left Paul and Barnabas and the boys. He bailed, and he went back to Jerusalem. We don't know why, but let me show you something. Go to Acts 15, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back. Let's visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord. Let's just go and see how they're doing. Look at verse 37 and 38. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. Now look at verse 38. But Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Here's what happened. For some reason, John Mark deserted them and went home. Did he get homesick? I don't know. Did he leave because of this? I don't know. He left. And here's Barnabas saying, let's, 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 yeah, let's go. 
Paul, let's do this. Let's go visit the other churches. And, 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 and Barnabas said, let's just get John Mark to join us. And Paul didn't think it was a good idea. Now look at verse 39. You may not have saw this in the scripture. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. They had a huge disagreement that Barnabas and Paul parted company. Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus. And look at verse 40 and 41. Paul took Silas, commended by the believers by the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And Paul said, no way. He bailed. I don't trust him. I don't want him. I want to show you now some verses in our final moments of God's work of forgiveness in Paul and Barnabas' life. These are powerful verses. I want to take you to 2 Timothy 4.11, and Paul is now an elderly man, and he's about to die, and, and he's in prison. And he writes to Timothy, and it's 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, only Luke is with me. Luke, Luke was his physician. He said, get Mark, <laughs> get Mark, get Mark. Bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Are you getting this morning? We just read that they had such a sharp dispute. And Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. Paul said, no way. I don't want that guy. He bailed. He left. And he, he had some unforgiveness in his heart to John Mark. But over a span of time, Holy Spirit in goodness helped him to forgive this boy. And he said, you bring him back to me. I need Barnabas at my side in my final days. He's helpful to me in my ministry. How many people are glad that the spirit of goodness of forgiveness was manifested in Paul? Life. Can, I, can I show you a few more verses? Can I show you a few? Look at, look at Colossians 4, 10. Now, now I'm going to show you something because a lot of people go, that's cool, but what about, what about the rift between Paul and Barnabas? I'm going to show you some verses that God began to do a healing work, and we're almost done, but here it is. Colossians 4, verse 10, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. This is years after the sharp dispute. He said, my fellow prisoner... Aristarchus sends you his greetings, this to the believers in Colossae, as does Mark. <laughs> why would he say Mark? I'll tell you why. Because God had done a redemptive work. Now, now, who did he have the disagreement with? Also with Barnabas. And what does he say, as does, as does Mark, the, the cousin of Barnabas? You see, when, you, you, when you're at rift with someone, you don't even want to say their name. But, but, but God was working by his spirit in Paul's life. And he's greeting the church in Colossae. And he, and he says, I'll bring you greetings. And so does Mark. And by the way, he's the cousin of Barnabas. Now I'll show you one final scripture that maybe you never saw in the pages of God's word. But this, this one clinched it for me to confirm to me that Holy Spirit in his goodness, had brought a unifying back between Paul and Barnabas. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 3 and verse 4, and Paul is now writing to the church in Corinth. And he said something that many people overlook, and don't, don't, don't miss it. This, this is my defense. This is verse 3. To those who sit in judgment on me, don't, don't, don't we have the right to food and drink? And some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm bored already. I don't even know what this means. Well, stay with me. Look at verse 5. Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? And there's verse 6. 
Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Paul spoke of Barnabas on the same level as himself. You see, the Bible gives us clues that Holy Spirit in goodness restored these two great leaders. Not only did Paul believe again in John Mark, but he laid aside his difference with Barnabas, and they got it right together. I'll tell you, church, we don't have time to let the devil put wedges between us. Actually, we don't got time to let the devil put wedges between us. I'll tell you, church, I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. The person beside you is not your enemy. The only enemy is the devil. And I pray that God would work the spirit of forgiveness and goodness. God is good all the time. God is good. Come on, get on your feet. Put your hands together. Come on, give a clap. Come on, put your hands together and give a clap. Come on, put your hands together and give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. Come on, to the Lord God Almighty. To the Lord, to the Lord. Come on, Woodfell. This is to the Lord God. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. His goodness is all around you. It's before you. It's behind you. It is in you. And he wants his goodness to manifest through you. My prayer is that God, by his spirit, would give the goodness of encouragement, the goodness of generosity, the goodness of befriending, the goodness of unifying, all the goodnesses that we talked about would be lived out in our life. Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. Before we close our service in an amazing song that we sung earlier, I need to ask a very honest an open question to everyone in this room. If today was the day that you died, if today was the day that you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Everyone in this room, you will live for eternity. The Bible says that. Do you know that you will spend your eternity in heaven? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Jesus Christ to come into your life? I'm not asking you, did you give in the, in the offering? I'm not asking did you take notes in the message? I'm not asking you if you read your Bible. I'm asking you, have you personally asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior? Salvation is a gift. God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus. Jesus so loved you, he gave his life for you. God so loved the son that he raised his son back to life. Jesus is not dead, he's alive. And he can change your life. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I, I feel so intentional this morning. I just feel in my spirit that there's a number of you right here in this 9 o'clock service, and there's a number of you that are watching on live streaming that if today was the day you died... You don't know if you're going to heaven, but, but you want to you you get it right. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to count to three. And if you want Christ to be the center of your life, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, please. If you want Christ to be the center of your life, and you want to be led in this prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life, you want to be ready for heaven, you want him to be your savior, you want him to be the center of your life, I, I just want you to lift your hand. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. 
Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you have years ago, but, but you know you, you need to settle it today. I'm just going to count to three. And if you want to be led in this prayer, I want you to lift your hand. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Christ. So here it is. One, two, three. That's you. Lift your hand as high as you can. High as you can. Hands are going up across this place. Anyone else? You put your hands down. If you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. I receive you in my life. I confess you today as my Savior and my Lord. I want to live for you and serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, open your eyes. It's party time. Come on, Woodville. Come on, it's party. Come on. Come on, it's party time. It's party time. There, there's a number of you people that you gave your heart to Jesus this morning. That's the best decision you could ever make. In a few moments after we close, I want you to go to a wall in the lobby. Big word, follow. We got a lot of friendly people there. We got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet for you. It's free. We can tell you how we can help you in your new faith journey. If this is your church, get into a connect group. Go to the connect wall. If you're not serving yet, come to serve Tuesday night. And uh, you will be blessed by it. How many people know God is good? I said, how many people know God is good? We, we just came back from a little holiday. And some of you are saying, where's your tan? And uh, this is as good as it gets, all right? And we had a great time just refreshing and relaxing. But we love you folks. It's so good to be home. Pastor Brad, I, I felt so refreshed just worshiping this morning. There's, there's a freedom in the house, isn't there? There's, there's a, I, I tell you, here's what I feel the Lord wants us to do in, this, in these closing moments. We're just going to celebrate his goodness. And we're going to let there be a shout of hallelujah in this place this morning. Now, I, 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 I tell you, let's, let's, let's lift the roof off this place this morning. Amen. Let's just give him praise in these final moments. How many people know our God is good? I said our God is good. Our God is good. Don't ever question it. He's good. It may not make sense. And, and then the waves might be rocking and rolling in your life. But God is good. Life is not always easy. But God is always good. There's no badness in the goodness of God Almighty. It may not make sense what's going on, but my God is good. I said, my God is good. So I, I want you to feel real free. I just felt the Lord say, just, just let them give them praise. Come on, come on, give them praise. Come on, give them praise, give them praise. Come on, pastor, give them praise, give them praise.
to the Lord God Almighty. Amen. 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 I'll tell you what I feel the Lord just telling me to say in these final moments. The more you begin to see His goodness in your life, the more the goodness of Him that's in your life is going to flow through your life. His goodness is all around you. Amen. I said His goodness is all around you. Amen. For the Lord is good. I just want to lead us in prayer. And after I pray, I'd love the altar workers just to hang out at the front of this altar. And if you'd like someone to personally pray with you, there's a a team of people that love to pray with you. Father, thank you for this amazing church. Thank you, God, for the hearts that are so open to you. We take your word, let your word germinate in our hearts. And I pray for each of these areas that we looked at, that you would Bring them to a deeper measure in my life and in the life of each one here and in this church corporately. Give us a great week. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.